Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. It is Monday, February 6, 2023. We've got a late show for you today with my old friend, Doug Roberts. Doug, the CEO and president. Well, I guess president. That's the way he likes to do it. Founder, CEO. Now it's just CEO. Okay. <laughs> Founder and CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, IEA, which is a good organization Doug founded. It connects leaders in school districts with ed tech companies to drive change in education, and it really does because it gives these companies a real opportunity to get in front of superintendents and talk to them about what they need. And I always say that there's an important synergy between the industry and the school districts, okay? The industry needs to know what the school districts need, okay? And the school districts need to know what the industry has. And together, they, they, they form a pretty good product line that goes and Doug is one of the people that helps move that pipeline of products and information backwards and forwards. And we're going to, because he works so closely with superintendents, okay? And by the way, he's the creator of the uh, Superintendent's Choice Awards, which recognizes innovative ed tech solutions, okay? He knows his stuff. We're going to talk to him about how superintendents are viewing 2023, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org. That's our home website for American Consortium for Equity in Education. And go over there, you'll see the new issue of our magazine, which is called Equity and Access. You just click on the cover. You'll enjoy a terrific new issue, which honors all our Equity Awards winners. Speaking of awards, we're very proud of them, the companies, the, the uh, educators, etc., who work so hard for equity because that's what we're all about here, okay, is equity in education. And so we're trying here. So please go over, look at it. You, please feel free to look, see how we do this, and you're welcome to enter for next year's awards, and maybe you'll be featured in the magazine as well. We, cer- we certainly hope so. We also work in SEL. We work in teacher retention. That's over there, too. Plus, also, obviously, we do all the podcasts over there. So please check it out over at ace-ed.org. And without, and our new issue of the magazine is pretty darn good, i got to tell you. All right, here's Doug. Doug Roberts, everybody. Hi, Doug. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. How are you? I'm fine, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Ready to... Launch into a Monday here. I don't know when people are listening to this, but Monday 9 a.m. And no one I'd rather start the week with than you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. It's been a long time. And uh, were you down at uh, FETC? No, I, I did not go to FETC. I actually went to Tata, uh, but my team was there. So we're, yeah, it's weird. When I first spoke to you, it was uh, just me running around. But now I have all these people I work <laughs> with, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing to be able to, yeah, it is. you know, just watching the, our own growth. Uh, you know, now we can cover, we used to go to a few things a year because that's all our budget and, you know, staffing would allow. But, you know, we're, we, we get out there and we go to a lot of stuff because we, we believe that the way this, the way these connections happen, the way ideas get shared and the way, um, you know, our members can be thought leaders is if we're out there um, seeing them, making those connections, listening to them as much as we can. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we tend to go to stuff and it's sort of, yeah, I think most organizations, as they grow, they kind of uh, they take on some of the DNA of the founder. And I was always the guy who was on the road out yeah, talking you were. to people and listening are. to people. So, so here we are. Yeah, it's good stuff. And it's just amazing, you know, when you talk about that, you and I have known each other a long time. And both both this company and your company have grown like crazy. And uh, it's just good stuff. You know, the, the market's doing well out there. And uh, 
I hope schools are doing well. And, you know, the whole world of pre-K-12 is changing, but that's okay. Things evolve, things change, and hopefully we're both on top of it. So it's good to see you're having so much success. With the Institute for Education Innovation, I just want to say this, that is literally the um, website, which is Institute for edinnovation.com institute for edinnovation.com yeah. you only got it's long you but you got to write IEI. it out once and then yeah yeah go or ahead. go to ieik12.com ieik12.com oh, is the I short do. version thank you i don't even have that one thanks a lot i appreciate that i ieik12.com very good okay yeah. and you got before we go into anything else um okay the institute for education investment spring summit san antonio March 2nd, that's coming up. Tell us what that is. Yeah, we do three gatherings of our membership, um, a spring, winter, winter, spring, a summer, and a fall. This is the spring, winter version. And uh, we're going to be out in the hill country of San Antonio. We're going to um, yeah. spend some time outside, especially for those of us up north who've been inside most of the winter. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah. The topic here, yeah, we usually pick a topic around which to focus our discussion, but you know, it's it's interesting. There are just so many themes, you know, especially post-pandemic, that that come up every time. But here, um, our theme is is basically um, having the difficult conversations that we're having, and sort of understanding understanding the understanding the negative stuff that's coming into our districts, understanding the arguments being made for. Uh, some of the things that really are not things we want to be doing, like removing books from libraries, yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> restricting how, excuse me, restrict, restricting how we, you know, um, work how with we teach, teach certain subjects. That, that might yeah. supposedly right. offend people, which it doesn't. Okay, and if right. I may, and the governor of group, the new governor. Yeah, if I may, let me just rail a minute. The new governor of uh, Arkansas, sure, <laughs> uh, Huckabee Sanders. Okay, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Okay, the first thing she does in office is quote bans critical race theory in public schools, which by the way didn't even exist. Okay, uh, it's just a cultural yeah. catchphrase that is nothing more than a bunch of BS. Okay, that that's used but to make like she's doing something when she's doing absolutely nothing. Put your mind to the government of the state, not a bunch of idiotic phraseology, if I may, Doug. Okay, and that's the but kind of stuff the that thing. superintendents have to deal with. Yes, we lead school systems, and we're here to make sure kids learn, and yeah. we have to make sure that we can continue to let kids learn, which means we've got to listen to anybody who's got something to say about how we should or should not be doing the business of teaching and learning, we've got to be able to listen to them, understand that argument. We need to be able to, you know, redirect back to the matter of teaching and learning. And so if a community and their board of ed decides they want to ban this book or, or, you know, ban this course, you know, then we have a choice to make whether we want to work in that community or not. But either way, we have to be able to make the case for the educational outcome of all the kids in the district. And so that's, we're spending a little time. We're a little uncomfortable being political, honestly, um, but yeah. we're getting political stuff uh, put on our plate. So we have to be able to respond to it, disarm the politics, help understand where it comes from, understand the concern of the person. Because it, it ultimately, in most cases, in most cases, if you're coming to speak at a board of ed meeting, you're, you could be a political actor. But a lot of folks are 
parents with real genuine concern. Yeah, who, who have con- sure real concern. We understand. And they're welcome to them. We, we, hope, we hope they express them. Yeah. But not junk. Right. That craziness. And we have to, we got to get through the noise of the politics to the real, you know, to the real concern. And then we got to make sure we can respond with the educational outcome at the center of everything we do. And that's, so we're, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the PR we can do as districts around, you know, getting the message out about all the positive things we're doing, which is something we, we live and breathe at IEI where our social media channels are full of positive stories about work happening in school districts because uh, somebody's got to keep it all positive. <laughs> it's not that there aren't challenges in schools. It's just there's so no, much negative there's a lot in of the national media. Yeah. There's so much good happening day to day that doesn't get covered. And, you know, to the extent that people follow us, our social media channel, uh, we, we celebrate those wins. We herald those victories. And we celebrate the people, these amazing people, some of whom I think are just heroic in all the stuff they've got to put up with, who lead these school systems. Couldn't agree with you more, which brings up an interesting point. You know, you, you're going to talk about this kind of thing and how, how superintendents work their way through a year like 2023, kind of the second year off the pandemic, which is it's pretty wild out there right now. Okay. And yet you're, yeah, you're, the is. role of the company, IEI Institute for Education and Innovation, okay, is to bring ed tech companies together with, you know, that's the basics of it, ed tech companies together with the superintendents to, to create that market, which is so darn important. Okay. I'm fully in favor of this. Yeah. But, but my question is you, when you just said we have to balance when you meet with the superintendents, obviously the things you just said are on your good friends, your good colleagues and in, in your association. Okay. It's on their mind. It, it's inhibiting their real job. Yeah. Okay. And just talk about that. How do you think manage a meeting? Yeah. Yeah, how do you manage a meeting yeah. where, where your goal is to, to really do one thing, to bring the ed tech companies and get them in front of the superintendents, which is great, okay? But then you've also got all these other things bubbling up uh, that, that kind of blocks the way. How do you, how do you balance the two yeah. when you do, like your meeting in San Antonio? Yeah, so the answer is that we, the, um, we're, we're not trying to, quote, unquote, get the companies in front of the superintendents. That's like... You know, there are places where you can go and do your kind of standard dog and pony sales pitch. Right, We're about right. convening a conversation of leaders who are all experts in their field. The soups are experts in district leadership or, or strive to become so. A lot of them would say they're not experts, but I would disagree with yeah, some well. of them. But, you know, they're, they're trying to grow as leaders. And the, the founders and CEOs of, of our, our corporate partners, they're all kind of experts in a very narrow band but they go really kind of intensely, uh, you know, deep on that narrow piece of the work. So if you're an SEL provider, if you're um, a safety provider, a mental health provider, a, you know, we have a lot of instructional services and intervention and tutoring providers, you know that you know what districts need and what they're doing and what they're having success with in that one area better than almost anybody else. And so our members – like to pick the brains of these folks to learn. So, you know, what works mm-hmm. here, what works there, right? Regardless of whether I work with your company or not, uh, obviously the, the partners, um, you know, they're, they're there to pursue business relationships. Of course. But what's, what's kind of most important is that we advance the work and that we share out uh, the conclusions and ideas we come up with. And so IEI's job is basically, you know, while these folks are off running school districts, 
we summarize the conversations and we pump, we, we push out op-eds, written pieces, video, so that the whole industry, anyone who cares about what happens in K-12 schools, can understand what the IEI superintendents are working on, what they're thinking about, um, where they want to see things head. We have a couple of pieces coming out soon about, you know, should we, how much should we pay attention to the NAEP uh, in our day-to-day -day work at school mm -hmm. leaders? How much, um, you know, should we, what are, what are things we can do to make sure that we keep good people stepping up to lead school districts? We have a, yep. a challenge right well, now. We're going to talk about pipeline. that. So, yeah, we're going to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we've got all these pieces that we're, you know, and we, we, help, we help our members write their own particular, you know, passions into op-eds. And so we've got several of those out there and a few more coming out because um, they all have these incredible thoughts about leadership development and strategy and, sure. and all that. But, you know, they don't, the, the school district doesn't, you know, provide them the, the work. The job is so all-encompassing and it's so many hours and so much face time. You know, these, these folks have to be physically present at, you know, school plays and basketball yeah. games and board yeah, meetings. Football games and everything so else. Who, right. has time, yeah. who has time to sit and, and write, you know, a piece? So we kind of help them do that. And that's been one of my favorite new things that we've done this year, and I, our members really love it. But it's really – it's about getting the ideas out there and making sure that they get shared so that, you know, the work that one member is doing in, in Connecticut – can impact somebody who's not a member of us, but will pick up the piece in one of the trades. Exactly. You have to reinvent the wheels Washington is basically State. what we're saying. And that's, that's the problem when you've got yeah. 12,000 school districts. Yeah. You know, you don't have – they're all facing the same thing, but each individual uh, superintendent doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. And when you say you're publishing, yeah. where are you sending – how are you getting the word out there? Just to your group? Or further, because no, so, the reason so I'm, I'm leading into something, Doug, you know, you're one of our good uh, friend media partners, and you are always welcome to send us editorial that has to do, you know, somewhat with equity Thanks. and access and all that sort of thing. But we're always happy to get we it will. out there. We have a huge circulation. Yeah, yeah, no, and I and I think we, you know, we're we're here talking to you now. We work with Sarah Williamson PR. I want to give her a little shout. Um, her her team, uh, the SWPR group, has yeah, helped Sarah. our members Great. sort of get. Yeah, how to get their words out there, and so they shot the pieces. We got one um, one of our members from Southern Illinois, Todd Dugan, talks about equity in ed tech. His piece is coming out in Teaching and Learning TNL this week. Um, well, we are always we've having got, to run it, and teaching and learning is just fine. Please don't misunderstand. We don't see that as competition yeah, yeah. or anything like that. Okay, we'll make sure but, they're on the list. But um, please make you know, sure tell Sarah, and I'll, I'll tell her as well. We are happy to always look at this, and you know it brings up an interesting point that I've always said. We are here to hear what we do. We do a lot of publishing. We do a lot of podcasting and all that. And we are firm believers, okay, in what you describe. We describe it as an industry voice, okay? The industry has a lot to say, okay? And they, they understand education, obviously, because they have to produce the products the teachers use, all right? And when you get superintendents and the industry together, you got a lot of good voice in there. you got a lot of good thought power in there, okay? And... Uh, you know, we're we're the same same wavelength on that type of thing, same wheelhouse. Yeah. All right. But it's I really important. A lot been... of people don't realize it. And you know, which brings up an interest. I gotta ask you this. You know, you're talking to superintendents and then you mentioned I want to get into this a little more detail about the super the pipeline of superintendents. We lost a lot of superintendents, not to disease, but because of to us of retirement. Okay. We lost a lot of superintendents through the pandemic. They, they, the pressures were so great. Etc. And 
we gotta we gotta find not only superintendents, principals, etc. There's not a big pipeline of educators right, right. now, professional right. educators. All right. And when yeah. you talk to your when you talk to the superintendents, when you talk to the industry, what are you hearing about that? And you might want to talk uh, about how IEI is helping, if you want. Be my guest. Yeah, I mean, so what actually, I'm you are my guest. Is, so uh, be my guest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I'm hearing is that this job has gotten so hard, and it's it's just all of the and I I think social media has a role in this. Like the the way social media um, can get people sort of worked up over something that may or may not be factual that may or may not be a real issue um it 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 makes the job a little harder and yeah the way social media gets kids um involved with each other and engaged with each other sometimes in very negative negative you things yeah. um yeah it's yeah it's it's made the the mental health aspect of the job much harder we we ask a lot more in the pandemic we got accustomed to asking a lot more of our schools and we we continue to um you know, food. A lot was made when the schools closed about food services having to get out. Uh, kids who relied on school for, you know, certain um, psychological services, mental health services, counseling, coaching. You know, and so we've asked our schools to take on much more responsibility, particularly in uh, you know communities that have greater needs socioeconomically. Um, but we're not. You know, the minute we throw a couple of bucks at them from the federal government. Everyone loses their mind and talks about how districts are flush with cash and <laughs> spending money from driving pirates. Like, it's, yeah. and that's not, you know, like a lot of us think this is just kind of a right sizing. Like, this is just helping us catch up with all the new demands yeah. on yeah. school districts. But right now, districts have all the incentives, you know, many communities, I would say, you know, we have 12,000 districts. A lot of them have declining yeah, enrollment. Um, the urban yes, and suburban, the rurals actually sometimes have increasing or exurban places have increasing enrollment, but you know, a lot of them have been declining enrollments. You got an aging staff. So a lot of them are doing retirement incentives because they got to get the costs down to try to fit all these new services in. And one of the big things our members tell us too, is that they've got uh, a solid, you know, there are all these tools you can now use to survey kids, even anonymously. And of course, serious, you know, like, Kids are struggling with some heavy social emotional stuff with they sure are. health issues or with considering self harm. This is, you know, at an all time high. Yet they can't find the adults to come work in the school district to help with those particular services and that's right. Accessing our healthcare system for those services is not exactly an easy thing in a lot of places because they're used to working in a certain way where you give make a phone call, schedule an appointment, blah blah blah, and like a school district has to sort of act on behalf of, of a kid sometimes in those scenarios. And it's, we don't have all the infrastructure in place to do what we know our districts need to be doing for our kids. And that's, that's a tough way. It's a tough way to work every day. It's a tough, there's like a um, fight or flight, I think, that I'm seeing a lot of members have where they feel like there's no way they can do enough. And that has caused some people, some really wonderful people I know to, to, you know, like, decide whereas maybe eight years ago they would have renegotiated and stayed, you know, I'm going to move on to a different district or I'm going to mm-hmm. take a few years off or I'm going to write a book and go try. There's some amazing, there's some pretty talented superintendents right now out shopping books because yeah. They're, yeah, they're just right. not able to, to hang. And, you know, 
I don't know how to fix it. Like paying superintendents more, I don't think that's going to go anywhere. <laughs> and I'm not sure that it, the money matters, um, you know. Uh, so, you know, we have this other thing happening. Generally speaking, in our economy, educators are now becoming part of a dwindling set of people who have to um, put on a shirt and pants every day and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, that's you know, right. when you can Good work point. at Starbucks or work at home in your shorts, um, it becomes sort of like, I think some people are going, well, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I on this bell schedule? Why am I? And now districts have opened the door through the pandemic stuff to actual credit bearing instruction, full courses coming in via the internet, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that used to only be done like at regional agencies for small rurals who couldn't, they couldn't offer um, AP Italian at all these tiny districts. So there's one teacher sitting in a central place on camera, you know, in a special classroom. Now anybody can take AP, AP Italian. It's just a matter of whether That's the right. districts have gotten around to figuring this out. And so, you know, there are a lot of great teachers, I know anecdotally, saying, yeah, I'm going to go work for one of these companies. And yeah, the benefits may not be as good. The pay may not be as good, but I'm doing the thing I love without some of the things I don't love with the classroom. Without the aggravation, you have to be quite honest, yeah. without the aggravation. And, and, and then you got to think about, well, there's this big push now around what people are calling, quote, unquote, discipline and how uh, schools have become undisciplined and unruly. And, you know, it's, and start teachers are starting to be asked to do things they're not comfortable doing in some places. And, uh, you know, we've got, got a bit of a, a mess, and I think – We'll find our way out of it, um, but you know this, this. We ask our educators and our and our district leaders to be martyrs a little too much, and it's it's go, eventually going to weigh on us. I can I can say anecdotally. Well, it already you know, is um, on, on Long Island where is. I live. There's a there's a group of small districts that are considering sharing a lot more services, which could lead to a potential merger. Right. Now, the laws in New York State make it very hard to merge districts; they're expensive. So I think you're going to start to see some movement toward maybe we consolidate a little bit more like some of the states like Florida and Georgia and Maryland, where all the systems are county-based, because then at least mm-hmm. you can streamline your overhead costs. I just This is me like looking into a crystal ball. I think you might see some small districts start to say, we can't, there's just enough talent to lead this place, so we got to go merge with other districts or or have somebody be a, I know a few people who are just, who are soups for two or three districts, and they just... They just have to go to a lot more meetings, but, you know, they, they get a small salary from each. I, I, I never heard of that before. One super, one, yeah, one person being the superintendent of several districts, that's the first I've ever heard of this. Yeah, it's not unlike, you know, uh, you're a, a fractional CFO and you work for five huh. different companies or you have, you're a consultant. You know, so it's like I got a contract with this board and the board approves that I can work with this other board and work with this other board. Wow. And they all – they, the boards sometimes even collaborate and say, let's split this, let's agree on this total salary and we'll split it. You know, this is a district with 200 kids here and 85 kids here and 350 kids here. Like that's, that could be the future of what we're, where we're headed because well, the job is Well, just you, you know, it, it brings up a good point because I'll tell you, Doug, in my opinion, you know, the, the, the pandemic brought all this out. We really have to uh, – education hasn't changed much in 200 years, 150 years, however you want to count it. Well, okay? Yeah. And the world has. And we, we're, we're going to be looking at making these changes. We have to make them or we're going to sink the ship. 
okay? The paradigm has to change. And, you know, getting back to what you do literally with IEI, okay, on the ed tech side, to me, technology is going to be a great savior of this, okay? If we use the technology I mean, right – yeah, that please, go. Maybe. Um, I know. know. I just want to be careful theory. because I, I think we've – I mean, yes, to some extent, but I think we've – I want to be careful. We've been, as a as an industry, I think we've been prone to chasing unicorns, um, and I don't want to do that. And I think it's part of why I started IEI. I want, I think if, I think like the, you know, 12 years ago, remember how everything was going to be video-based and playlists and everything was going to be, all kids are going to learn math on videos, right? And Khan Academy comes out and it's like, it's going to change the world. And look, Khan Academy has, has had an impact, but I think a lot they of haven't changed the world. Kind of yeah. Looked, yeah, yeah, they looked at it and kind of smirked like, yeah. okay, here's the next thing. So I don't want to, I don't want a unicorn chase. There's no silver bullet, but um, no, no, there is general, no silver bullet. Seeing... But but I, wait, I have to say something with what you just said, and I and I love what you just said. Okay, Khan Academy, which we, we saw Khan was one of was, is the first iteration of this out of the box. Yeah. Okay. And you know I we used so. it to some degree. Not enough people did, in my opinion. Okay, kids struggle with yeah. math still. But these, these things have to evolve, and technology evolves. And I'm not talking about Terminator 3 where they take over the world, although chat GPX yeah. or whatever that is might be the, the next big thing. Yeah, okay. that's the okay. next thing, right. <laughs> yeah, Terminator 3, we can talk about that for hours. Okay, but um, <laughs> the machines are taking over. You know. But I'm saying the proper yeah. use of technology, it, and the way I mean it is, uh, I live in Maine, as you know, and, uh, you know, up in uh, even here, but in northern Maine, they can't find a great physics teacher, probably, you know, as an example. OK, but that great physics teacher exists and we can pipe that person in. We can video that person in. We can bring them in technologically. So the kids, I'll say, in, in northern Maine, where there aren't a hell of a lot of people, OK, they, they can have access to a great educator. If just one right. or two kids need it. Right. You know, and and that's, that's when I say we're going to use technology properly. Yeah, that's what we have to do. But you know do. what? It's not good. It's not it's not a high tech play. It's it's just good content and good teaching delivered through technology. And I think that that's why our focus is, is as yours is create equitable access. Because yeah. Yeah. it shouldn't matter your your zip code should not matter that's if you right. want to take AP art or you wanna take physics. Um your your zip code should not be a factor and that's that's, I think, that, that orientation is increasing amongst all superintendents of all, you know, and I've got to tell you, like, the members of IEI are not, you know, it's not like they're all um, card-carrying members of the woke party. Like, not, it couldn't be further from the truth. We're all over the place. Politically, uh, I think everyone votes for, for different kinds of people, right? Like, That's fine. It's, it's, you know, we got, we got R's and D's and everything else in between in our group, but they're all about equity, and this this allows this allows this discussion to happen because from from our perspective, it's about access to the course, access to the content, and that's that's what equity means for us. And technology yeah. does help there. And the next frontier is mental health services. But then the big question Absolutely. is, okay, so it's, it's already helped. There are lots of providers, yeah. and they're they're amazing. But like, can you adequately provide counseling, coaching, mental health services? without being physically together and without that relationship building piece that happens in person. That's the big question for everyone. 
Hopefully, I, I personally believe you can, and they are learning how to do it and doing it well. Okay, and you know all the tea companies yeah. in that field. Okay, and but it's entirely. And I'll say it like I said, Khan Academy. It's new, but it has to be put into place and started. Okay, it will evolve. It yeah. will change. It and will get are, better. Yeah, there are strategies to building relationships through virtual um, modalities that. We're, yeah. we're at the very, very early stage of even knowing how to do this, which is why things can seem a little unruly with, you know, TikTok and Instagram, and you know, yeah. it's the it's it's the wild west of this stuff. We're we're at the very it is. early beginnings. It is, you know, it all has to. It's and it changes. You know, you're constantly chasing the goalposts because just when you think you got it under control chat she was a chat gpt what i can't remember the three letters that suddenly comes in yeah. now you've got that to worry about yeah okay as an example right which is okay and chat gpt let's let's take that one right all this ink gets spilled on it and kids are going to use it to cheat and blah 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 like the and it's good we should be thinking about all that stuff but this is why we started soup's choice awards because we want that's great talk about chat gpt chat gpt is not going to be well probably not going to be submitted for review by a group of the country's most innovative superintendents. Something else that, you know, like No Red Ink was a big winner at, at uh, Soup's Choice this past December, or Scribble has won. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they didn't win this yeah. year, but they were finalists this year and they won last year. Like, you know, Scribble's a tiny company, No Red Ink, big venture back. Those are two examples of, of tools that help kids learn to write. And those guys care about what superintendents think of them as do all the other companies who apply it. And the soups love the process. They love reviewing this stuff because, you know, they get to put on their teacher hats for a minute. Some of them do get their staff involved or director of curriculum, but they get to look at, look at these solutions that are vying for their attention in the marketplace and provide uh, an authoritative kind of seal of approval. Like you're a finalist. We think this solution is good. And as long as we increase that voice, you know, the, the awards are fun. Don't get me wrong. Like we throw a party, we have a <laughs> yeah. good time with it, <laughs> you know, like, uh, my daughter was up there kind of um, helping him see the thing this last year. It was really cute. <laughs> but, you know, beside, aside from the fun of it, giving out the award is about influence, making sure that superintendents wield influence in this marketplace because they, they know very all sides of this better than anybody. They know the board and the politics. They know how to teach a classroom. They know how to run a school. And they know the finances. And they know everything in between. And that, that's why I think their, their voice needs to be very loud. I agree with you. And let me ask you this. Knowing all that, Doug, just look at the superintendency. And and you you, you work closely with your superintendents and many others, I might add. Okay. Uh, What do you you see as the greatest needs for superintendents, the the thing that they need the most, the the thing that they want to see changed? Yeah. What what do you see as that? What's that? Where's that? I have a unique view of it because of what we do, but – they tell us all the time, all they need is time to sit in a room together and just unload, um, be vulnerable, unload what? be heard. Unload what? Uh, like angst, uh, frustration, ideas, yeah. um, okay. stress, yeah. frustration, like, yeah. cause they can't do that at work. Cause if they act for, you know, that cause they got a model, That's right? A Everyone's point. looking at them all the time. And in a, in the case of school officials, right? Superintendents are, the professionals running the school district and you have an elected board, many of whom are likely not trained in the thing that we do. So it'd be right. like 
you know, if you had a publicly elected board running a hospital telling a doctor how to doctor. Exactly. And so they have to navigate, they got to navigate a pretty interesting line with, with their bosses, the board members. So they can't just, they can't go and, you know, they start expressing frustration with something to a colleague that can get to a board member and then somebody thinks they're not happy with us. It's a safe space to be with colleagues and say, this is something I'm working on. Who's got ideas to help me. And then my job is just to, you know, I, I farm this out to one or two of the members each time, but that member facilitates the discussion and try to make it productive, <clears throat> let people get in small groups. So the biggest thing I hear from them is they need time to collaborate and work together. Um, the other thing I'm hearing is that with that, you know, again, relative to what we do, they need us to vet some of these companies that want to work with them, uh, like farm the sort of filter the communications because the, mm-hmm. So many people get into the business think they're just going to kind of barnstorm their way to revenue. And like, you have to, you got to go and talk and listen to these people and you got to get introduced by a trusted source, which, which IEI is. And so you are. they count on us. Yeah. They, they count on us to review what these folks are working on first before we put them into the room with them. And that's, that's nice. an important service we, we provide to the members. And then I guess the next thing they're looking for is just help, um, help with the with the the storytelling the financial side of it in particular mm. like help help mm. like getting you know like here in new york state we vote on our school budgets every year right um but in other places a city a, a city council gives them their budget or um the board of ed itself votes on a budget um they just they're having to kind of justify the existence of some of the stuff and services they want to provide and I think they're finding that, you know, and that's not just us, like AASA, other places, like there are a lot of people out there trying to help them with kind of the PR side of this so that they can get the community on board with the things they want to spend money on. Wow. You know, it's a lot on everybody's plate, Doug. I got to tell you, and what you said, you know, yeah. just getting them together, okay, and letting them talk, letting them see what the others are doing, see that there are solutions See the idea, see that people have the same frustrations, okay? It, it, yeah. it, it, it's a good also, thing. I mean, it, 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 it sounds very, like you're like, running actionable. a group therapy, but you know what I'm saying. This is a professional. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> you're you're not. Mean, you are and you're, you're not. a big circle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's. So, like, it's, here's a very practical example. Somebody shared that they had, and many people went and implemented this, that they had started creating, um, this was a couple of years ago, like during the heart of the pandemic with masks and the whole thing. They created a teacher wellness room, and uh, it was Susan Enfield, our colleague from Washington. Oh, Nevada. Susan's she, great now. Yeah, she shared yeah. about these, these, great. Uh, these, teacher, these teacher wellness rooms. You can do yoga. There's, like, calming, soothing music. Um, you know, the teachers <laughs> kind of designed it. But, you know, assigning a space, even if no one uses it, for the staff to know, not just teachers, all staff, for the staff to know that there's a space dedicated to their wellness goes yeah. a long way. These people care about how I'm doing, and that's a place I want to work. And many of our districts heard that idea and went and implemented it, and it's been successful for all of them. Yeah, and Susan's a tremendous superintendent. She did such a great job in uh, in, in Washington State and Highline, and uh, you know, it's, Re- it's Reno, right? Washoe County's Reno. I said that. Yeah, I know it's yeah, Washoe County, Reno. but it's Reno, isn't it? Not Carson yeah. City, Reno, yeah. right? Reno yeah. and surrounding areas, so all the way to the California yeah. line. Yeah, they're huge. And they're uh, huge. she's been a a friend, mentor, advisor here for a long time, and we're grateful yeah. to have her. Well, just 
just she's pretty she's pretty special. I got to tell you, and so are you, Doug. We got to go. We're going to do more of these. Okay. All right. And by the way, next time Thanks we do so it, much. feel free to bring some of your superintendent friends with you. They're welcome. Yeah, we we'd love to do that. We could kick around, uh, uh, chop it up on some of these issues. That'd be great. Yeah, we're going to do it. Okay. So thank you, my okay. friend. I appreciate Thanks, you. everything you do. It's good to All talk right. to you. Okay. Thanks a million. Same. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Okay, Doug Roberts, everybody. <laughs> IEIK12.com, I think, but it's also Institute for Ed Innovation.com. All right. But the work they do is very, very important. Okay. Superintendents are very, very important. Okay. We're going to archive the show over at astashed.org, see all we do over there. And thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.